Welcome to episode 13 of One Book, One Album, One Film, the podcast. I'm Tom Falconetti. I'm joined by Nicole Confalone, Jeff Gonzalez, and Aaron Lasher Jacobstein. How are you guys? Good. Good. Doing well. It's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen each other. Mm-hmm. In the same place. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's really kind of odd. Um, so, so it's great. We're doing this from the great outdoors. On the deck, in the woods of Connecticut. <laughs> First alfresco podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Nicole, this is your episode. It is. <laughs> um, and uh, you want to talk a little bit about um, how you came about? Uh, sure. I one? So I had wanted to read um, Say Nothing, so it kind of organically evolved from there. And I was originally going to do all media involving the troubles but i felt like that would be a little depressing and maybe a little repetitive so i loosened it up and went with <laughs> really loose with uh anything to do with crime in the united kingdom which then brought us to the night creeper by uncle acid and the deadbeats and um the cult classic the wicker man from 1973 so uh yeah i chose the book because i had heard that it was a really good non-fiction book about the troubles in northern ireland ex- as explored through true crime and specifically one murder case and it got a lot of press last year and it um was nominated for the national book award for nonfiction. i don't think it won but i think it lived up to the hype but i ended up enjoying it um and that's that i guess <laughs> So, who wants to start? You've got the notes, so... I'm, well, I can explain a little <laughs> bit more about what it's about, yeah, I guess. Tell us and then so, um, the author introduces the disappearance of Jean McConville, uh, who was a 38-year-old mother of 10. She disappeared, was kidnapped in front of her children in Divis Flats, which was a neighborhood in Belfast, or like an um, apartment complex in Belfast. Um, It's assumed that the IRA abducted her, but the book kind of covers the disappearance and the efforts of her children to find out what happened to her and find her body, find her remains so that they can finally put her to rest. And that's kind of like the frame narrative by which the author explores the conflict in Northern Ireland, specifically in the 70s and 80s, and then the resolution of the disappeared in the 90s. So, um, you know, this is, uh, I think, personally, um, a fantastic piece of uh, journalism. Mm-hmm. And um, I absolutely love this book. Mm-hmm. The best book we've read, in my opinion. Um, even better than Superman. So, um, <laughs> I, I freaking loved it. Tom. One can never... You, you may have some, s- several interruptions. You might hear children in the background because we're outside... You may hear uh, maybe an airplane. <laughs> Could happen. And maybe um, even some turkeys. And <laughs> maybe some wild turkeys. <laughs> maybe coyotes. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, a gopher trying to get into the garden. Um, there's, I don't know. There's so much to uh, to uh, talk about with this book. But let's let's uh, kind of try to focus in on what, maybe what our f- favorite part of this was. I think we're, we're all very, like, sort of rusty here. <laughs> we are very so rusty. We're very rusty. There's we're not used silence. to seeing like, people. <laughs> no. So, go ahead. Yeah, if you want to start with your favorite, like, you know, sort of the thing you like best about this book. So I really, I think he did a really great job taking this really complicated, multifaceted issue that obviously 
spanned decades and, you know, different countries or, you know, different, you know, countries within the UK, I guess. Is that how we would describe it? Um, and he going into it, I knew only like rudimentary details about, you know, all of the conflict. And I think he did a great job kind of laying it out in a way that was easily understood to people who really didn't have an understanding of it. But the way that he kind of um, crafted this book and taking these things that seemingly were disconnected and then pulling it together, um, I just thought it was a really well-crafted um, kind of exploration of what was happening and you kind of see into all of these different lives and you have sympathy and dis you know distaste and kind of all of these simultaneous feelings for so many of these you know people who are involved um, I was kind of wondering how this would play out like reading a nonfiction book for this um, because we haven't done one before um, but I thought his writing style was really engaging and really straightforward um, but I just I, I thought it was a fantastic book well um, <laughs> I so was just disappointed because um, when I saw the title I thought it was going to be the sequel to say anything and boy was I disappointed <laughs> it just didn't work out that way you didn't like Dolores what did you think of it? did you like it um yeah I mean I, I you know, it's just like you said. It's a, it's it's a, it's tough to you know to to read and think about because you know one person's um, freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. Right. Um, so you know, it's it's hard to you know, and, and and this is something. By the time you get to the end of the book, you know, it, they sort of hit upon that. The author hits upon that too. That that she doesn't know, uh, and that he doesn't know what where to you know land on some of these people, right. or, or how that that uh, you should think about some of these people, and. Um, you know, it, at times it seemed longer than I would have liked. There was a little bit of detail, like I didn't, you know, I thought it, it meandered a little bit. Like there was a whole bunch about, uh, what's the actor, Stephen Rhea? Stephen Rhea, yeah. Stephen Rhea, yeah. Like, you know, I don't need to know about his rapscallion wit, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other things when he, you know, exits the picture, not that, you know, far after. But, um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting because I did not know that much about you know the the troubles. I also somehow didn't realize how long it went on. Um, but it's yeah, it's just uh, it's tough because you know you have fixed opinions about certain things, and then you know you you, you see these different angles, and and those opinions change. So. Well, I thought like what you were saying, like he comes at the end, like he doesn't really come down in a particular way. And I think mm -hmm. that was one of the strengths of this book is that yeah. it wasn't a judgmental book. It was just like an exploration and going through it. You were allowed to kind of have these feelings at times where you felt for, you know, the provost at times, like you can understand why they might do things yeah, or, and then or also other, being horrified by them. Yeah. Or other times where like, you know, the, the, the sisters are you know, so glamorous and they're in magazines and you're kind of, it's very distasteful. And I find myself kind of like, you know, they're, they're glorifying this, you know, uh, murdering and, and all this other stuff they're doing. And it, you know, I found that distasteful. It was interesting the way um, the author sort of, um, you know, led you through all these different emotions. Right. Um, and, and, you know, at, like at first, like I got, I was getting really tired of it and then things changed, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed. I thought, um, to me, obviously Dolores Price was is to me the sort of main, you know, uh, focus of this book, and so everything sort of comes back to Dolores, and and then in the end her sister in a really interesting twist mm -hmm. when you find about uh, found out you know in the chapter called Unknown, um, you know who was the third unknown to be there when June to deliver the you know 
um, the, the death, you know, the coup de grace to Gene McConville. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I won't spoil it, but, um, anyway, she dies. It's pretty impressive, like, you know, how he develops her character. Because she goes from, like, someone who is really uh, believed in civil disobedience. And then this one event at, uh, what is it, Burns Tollett Bridge? Yeah. or mm-hmm. I forget the name of the bridge, but, yeah. And um, she then decides, like, you know, all right, by any means necessary. So she goes from Martin Luther King to Malcolm X, really, in, like, one... And then switching back. One ver- of turn- mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, and as she gets older, right. right. And then she has all this regret, and she... I mean, this this book has all these great like sort of turns like it has a great a great character study at times with her with with um uh jerry uh, adams brendan hughes mm-hmm. oh yeah. brendan hughes is even better i think he's like the number two in this yeah, book yeah. right he's jerry adams of course is like sort of the villain no matter which way you sort of mm-hmm. slice it um and he later became head of uh Sinn fein is that yeah. is that the correct pronunciation yeah yeah Sinn fein, um, I think. Sinn fein, Sinn fein. yeah um so he was you know the that's the which is the legitimate wing of the mm-hmm. ira and so um, he, it's amazing how like he turns his back on everybody. At least that's how it's you know presented to he us. Pretends that he was never in the exactly. IRA when everybody and like he, knows that he and was. He's in charge of calling for all these murders and and he just denies everything. And it's incredible. I that was an interesting twist, though. That that like you know when you first meet Adams uh, in the book, and you know he's described as kind of bookish, and mm-hmm. you know he's. Uh, he's not out there actually doing these things, and so you know you you get a different um, you know you're introduced to him, and you have one opinion of him, and then later on it's revealed that he's really pulling all the strings. Right. Yeah. Another thing I liked about the book that could have been really dry and may have been for other people, but was the whole Boston College project. Oh, that was amazing. It was yeah. so cool. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, like it almost like just the secrecy surrounding it and and yeah like the lawsuits then about letting these stories out and it's interesting that of of course this book is so comprehensive because there just was no ability to record this history earlier than now when he has access to these interviews and yeah, it was just another like fascinating turn that the book took towards the end. Yeah, and, and if for anybody who's not clear on what the Belfast Project was, that's uh, an, a, it was Ed Maloney um, who got in touch with um, this guy Anthony McIntyre, who otherwise known as Mackers in the book, mm-hmm. and they had a correspondence, um, you know, from Boston College to Northern Ireland, and and he Anthony McIntyre's McIntyre was in prison at like sixteen and part of the provost, and uh, he ends up. Um, he ends up getting in touch with all of these, you know, ex Provo, uh, you know, members and gets them to talk and he puts it on tape and they're of the understanding that it'll never come out until they die. Mm-hmm. And the problem is so once some died, certain things came out, but it implicated people who were still alive. Also, they probably and should then, have talked to a lawyer before they did. Anything. Yeah. Well, they had, they had, they signed for legal forms, but they really didn't, you know, have, um, they signed disclosures, but they didn't have proper like representation on it. Um, I, I thought that was awesome. I mean, the whole the whole idea of that that happened, and they got subpoenaed by the, uh, Great Britain, and it was crazy. Um, speaking of Brendan Hughes, I think one of my favorite stories in the book is when he escapes from prison in oh, the garbage. Oh my <laughs> god, that was crazy! I love that part. And then what about when he becomes he's uh, he becomes what is it? The, the, the toy uh, salesman? Albert. Yes. Well, oh, yeah. Albert. Oh, yeah. The toy yeah. salesman. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. He takes Albert something. Oh no no the laundry didn't he do the laundry? Was that not him? No, no that was. That w- so that's the garbage that. truck, yes. I think, when he hides. No, in no, the- no, but there's the guy who does the delivery of the laundry oh, no, to no, the no, people. Oh, no, no, that's not him. And he become ingratiates himself with these... And he, no, and that's he's, not him. No, that's the guy. That, are they tapping lines? I, I confused it now. 
Uh, you're confusing me. Yeah. He was. A, he became a toy salesman. <laughs> right. Okay. And yeah. assumed okay. a different identity. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. What was his name? Do you remember the uh, Albert Elias? something? Mm. I forget what it was. <laughs> Albert Finney. <laughs> 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 I'm confused now. You know, I mean, obviously, like we, I, I don't want to talk about the political aspects of this book because I really don't know nearly enough about it, and I don't want to say something that's you know ignorant. Um, but I think from a purely journalistic standpoint and from a writing standpoint, this was a really, I think, fantastically researched book. Mm -hmm. I think it was incredibly um, well composed in the way that he laid out all of these different stories so that it all builds to this conclusion mm -hmm. where at the beginning I wasn't quite sure how they were going to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought it was a really compelling piece of work. And I, I, I can understand why there was so much hype for it. You know, it, it was certainly, a, I think... I really yeah, he interviewed over 100 people for this book, and he took seven trips back and forth, this is according to his n notes at the end, um, to Northern Ireland. And he, um, in addition... Four years of research, years. seven trips, yeah. interviews with more than 100 people, and then many people who refused to speak to him and then had a change of heart. Yeah. Anyway, it's a pretty interesting book. Um, I I would say that um, another thing that I I really uh, <clears throat> I loved about it is the the sisters and again going back to the Price sisters, they really do sort of drive this. Without them, there's not mm -hmm. a, as much of a book. Um, and and being that they're the ones who also like because they're back to, in the beginning of the novel of the narr narrative you get the Jean McConville story and how she's this mother of 10 and she was a ca uh, Protestant married to a Catholic um, and which also and then she's turns it she's a tout and she's spying on you know she's or so they claim what yeah that's so not claim. not proved the, so. the evidence is kind of slim for that well according it? to to price like she had you know the the, uh, the no transistor in the radio or Hmm? No one ever saw the secret radio. According to Price, that she did. Okay. Yeah, I mean we don't we don't know, but that's in the Boston tape, I think. Anyway, so. But yeah, I agree with you. And then it almost just becomes Dolores's story for a little while, so you forget about Marion because yeah. it's about um, their hunger strike and the force feeding in the prisons, and then her life has like kind of an icon married to an actor that um, Jeff mentioned. And then I thought it was. Interesting, the empathetic portrayal of essentially her PTSD that she's dealing with. Because, like Erin like said, there's no bias or like no sides are taken. It is just a good piece of journalistic writing that kind of just lays out for you how these people felt about the situation and why they took the actions that they did and how those views evolved and um, and the people that were kind of just the casualties of this political strife. Right. Yeah, but, and like Jeff said before, like you know one person's you know terrorist is another person's patriot and i think this book does a great job of of depicting that um you know not to say that i sympathize necessarily with one side over the other but you, it's i think it's um an unusual um, perspective to have in reading something where you have a notion of a group of people being violent and terroristic and having a human side to that that you would not have necessarily um, identified with before and I think the great thing about that, like I was saying before, is that the author does a great job of sort of manipulating your emotions in that way that you, you know, on one hand, you know, sympathize with these with these characters and you'll get one notion of who they are as a person. And then later on, he turns it around on you. Right. So. 
you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, and I guess that's, you know, one way to think about the entire um, history of the Troubles is that, you know, just like we're saying, without being political, I don't have, you know, any uh, connection to Ireland, and I don't really, didn't really know enough about it before starting this book, and I still don't come down on either any side. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. <laughs> um, one thing I th- that I did not know about it was how many like factions there were and all these groups mm-hmm. like the unknowns and you had the the nutting squad they were like really these awesome like you know sort of secrets like sort of uh squads within the provost mm-hmm. which is something i didn't know they were called the provost mm-hmm. um so you have all of these different all this terminology that you get from reading this book that's really fascinating it, it should be a movie like this is oh, definitely yeah. going to be a movie yeah. it has to be um it's it's so well done um you have these characters like uh um, steak knife. Oh right? yeah! Like he's the double agent, <laughs> Frank Scapatici, uh, Francis Scapatici, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, what uh, the other one? Uh, oh, and and then just like the way he tells, takes you through the Good Friday Agreement, which I remember in the '90s mm-hmm. with Clinton when they when when he uh, he was able to um, get that deal brokered between them, and so that Good Friday Agreement was you know huge, but it also what it did was it crushed so many people like Brendan Hughes, who be, who's just an you know old embittered alcoholic at, at that after that mm-hmm. um he felt so betrayed by jerry adams who was they were so close and he, they did everything together um they planned everything and then when this happens he's and and i well, another fascinating thing is like that was the way that they had like this moral qualification or moral justification for all the things that they did mm-hmm. so when that happened what did they gain they didn't feel like they gained what they were fighting for the things that they were murdering people for and the way they justified that murder was you know one day we'll be free right and that doesn't happen and they saw that as a major you know sort of letdown and uh concession that was you know obviously crushing to many of these guys so much so that the the one sister you know as an older woman continues fighting yeah yeah Yeah. oh yeah she just can't can't give it up yep so I think it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great book. It was, yeah. It really was good. Rate it? Yeah, I guess. I'm going to give it four. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, it was great. I have nothing negative to say about this book at all. I give it four. I almost I almost uh, got caught up in the legal stuff. Got me a little like, uh-oh, where are we going with this? But it only lasted <laughs> for like 20 pages. It wasn't bad. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, he knows what it's because I sometimes have trouble finishing nonfiction, even though I love starting it. That was where you could have had trouble, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but I, no, I, I, the way that the book is structured, like we were talking about before, just picks up, I guess, just as you're starting to maybe like fall in or like fall out of interest. Um, and I would give it a four. I think it's really worth reading, especially if you don't know anything about the troubles. And it's just... Just a fascinating piece of nonfiction. I'm giving it a three just because of those. Those there were more than one <laughs> time when I, when I was just like, really, how many pages do I have to? You know, how how, how long are we going to go on with this one little detail that <laughs> doesn't really mean very much? You didn't like the uh, Stephen Ray? No, there story? was there was a lot of meandering that you know I just didn't need to know about. That in the end didn't amount to much. Okay, but uh, you know, other than that, I think it's a great book. I'm glad I read it. Um, there's a you know giant chunk of knowledge that I didn't have, so it was good. All right. Well, do a little pause. We'll come back and uh, talk about Uncle Acid, the Night Creeper. All right, we're back. This is Murder Nights by Uncle Acid and the Deadbeat off the album The Night Creeper. Nicole. How'd you come about this? Um, that's a good question. 
Um, well, I chose it because the album kind of follows almost like a Jack the Ripper kind of character, and it's a British band, so it fit in with my very loose theme. Um, but I had listened to Uncle Acid like very loosely, just like singles here and there, until I saw them live with you and Ed in uh, Brooklyn Steel. Yep. And um, and then that got me into this album because they they have a great live show. I really recommend seeing them when that's something that you can do again one day. Jesus, ever. But especially inside. But um, I just like them because they. Like, I'm not a huge um, metal person, and it's more accessible for me because it's, like, stoner metal and that kind of, like, early Black Sabbath kind of sound and almost, like, psych 60s. Um, and I they also remind me a lot of the Beatles, if, like, the Beatles oh, yeah. went in that direction, which I really like, like, Tomorrow Never Knows and just, like, expanded upon that. Um, and the, I don't know, I just like the killer theme. I, I think it works, and it's not over the top. It's not, like, an 80s metal, like, hairband kind of darkness like demons and stuff this like that this is why jeff probably doesn't like it. <laughs> maybe yep <laughs> doesn't have enough like skin masks or whatever i know i know i'm sorry i know that they're not hair metal. and they're dead skin masks <laughs> yes i'm sorry but um yeah I, I just thought that it's a good album that'd be fun to listen to so that was my rationale for it so i listened to it the first time and i wasn't crazy about it because it it the first thing that struck me was that it sounded like a little bit like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds the sound of it mm -hmm. I just kept thinking of the Beatles like if they did go in that kind of more occultish type direction <laughs> um, I listened to it a second time because the first time I didn't understand what they were saying at all and I was like I don't know what these lyrics are I just hear like this kind of vintage sounding like um, guitar and I don't even know all of the instruments or equipment that they were using to make it sound like that but obviously it sounds like it's from the 60s and not from when, when it come out 2015 mm -hmm. I think this mm -hmm. album um, so I listened to it again after I read the lyrics and I read some reviews of it and it did grow on me um, because I think it actually is a really good kind of storytelling album like it all kind of it's obviously like this concept and it goes well together and even though like the first listen through a lot of the songs kind of blended into each other and it was hard to discern, you know, what was different about some of them. Um, I did start to pick up a lot more of the nuances going through and it was kind of you nice. You mean like if you listen to it more than once? Like if you oh. listen to it more than not once. I mean, and then you have like the, what is it? Yellow moon. That's kind of like the, I really like that yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like the intermission almost like here you're, we're listening to this like play pretty much. Like you can, you can almost kind of see it as like this Victorian. Closes outside a. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we've moved on to the next part of it. Um, and actually, so I, th I think at the end it really did grow on me and, and I liked it quite a bit more than I had initially anticipated. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't, know any other uncle acid songs so i think i might actually be curious to listen to some more but um yeah yeah i like that yellow moon song just has like a very dreamy atmospheric quality right there in the middle and yeah it's a good segue into uh side b it's very different from everything else on the album oh, yeah sure. right <coughs> so i apparently i'm not qualified to talk <laughs> about this um, Tom said no. during, during the break Tom said if I only listen to it once I can't talk about it well you know you should talk about it but I just I don't know what you're going to say besides you don't like it if you only am I allowed to talk well you said it didn't grow on you it did not grow on me which is why it didn't merit a second listening um, <laughs> isn't, isn't like a second listen required to determine if it grows on you no I mean there would have to be something that like caught me or something that would like you know if 
I have to force myself to listen to it more than once, I, and also I just didn't like it. I mean, there's something about, and this is true for a lot of um, uh, Tom's looking at me with uh, with a knitted brow, <laughs> and. Uh, so I could go to a comment that Tom made um, uh, uh, when we were texting uh, the other day when I, uh, you know, expressed a, a distaste for this album. And Tom said, if you like uh, Black Sabbath, you have to like this, which I think is total crap because, um, you know, th- this takes from Black Sabbath maybe a vintagey kind of sound, a detuned guitar, um, you know, and a little bit of, uh, you know, like a, a, a thumping kind of droniness to it. But there's so much more in Black Sabbath than is going on here. Um, you know, Black Sabbath has amazing riffs, great hooks, songs that have more structure than what's going on here, and songs where you can actually hear the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a problem with, I don't like, as a rule, old-time sounding, like music that is trying to sound like it was from another era. And a lot of stoner bands are trying to, you know, get this Black Sabbath kind of blue cheer when they're only really getting the veneer of whatever that is. So, like you saying that if I like Black, uh, Black Sabbath, I have to like this is like me saying, "Well, if you like Led Zeppelin, you have to like Greta Van Fleet." No, you know? well, uh, I, uh, can <laughs> allow me to retort. No, I'm not done. Okay, but I will. I'm going to come right back to that one. This sucked. I am done. Go on. Okay, so the Greta Van Fleet comment—they are a, a exact ripoff of Led Zeppelin. Like, there's nothing that they've done to go past what Led Zeppelin did. So they saying, are copying. So are you them. saying that this is not a copy of? No, Black it's not Sabbath a copy. But you, at but, all, they're they're taking but, a sound and they're doing a lot of things differently. But enough that if you're a Black Sabbath fan, you could be like, oh, wow, this is right in the same ballpark. But yet they're playing sort of, you know, on a different part the of the field. It's not same ballpark. It's, it's, in, it's, it's on like the Little League field next door. Oh, Jesus. Dude, yeah. I, you are like, I don't know. Any, I don't know anybody who has heard this band. Like, Nicole doesn't even like metal. She heard it and <laughs> she liked it. That's probably why I don't like it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Dude, I, I can't. I, I don't understand it. Anyway, fine. I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you why what I thought about this and uh, so this is an album that I think more than it being I think that might be like a misunderstood thing that it's like about one character yeah um, I really think that after like really scouring through these lyrics and reading it through this is more about like cultural our culture's mm-hmm. addiction to violence more than one person who is uh, okay there are characters within the different songs and first of all Black Sabbath never did this mm-hmm. um, he writes wonderfully he writes very short verses like he'll his songs only have maybe like three verses but they all they all they're actually well written Mm -hmm. they're not cheesy at all they're not um you know ronnie james dio where he's who the hell knows what ride the fucking tiger means ride the tiger ride the tiger come on well you that you like but you're not gonna like this which actually tells a really interesting story and has great imagery great word choice um, the riffs are fantastic. I, the hook, it's full of hooks, so no, I don't not. get how you can not there's, like the there's, hooks. There's really not a lot of song structure in here. What do you the mean not a lot of songs? What are you talking on about? on and on and on. My connection to this that I saw was like, you know, I was thinking about um, the Loop album I made you guys listen to. That's you know, the kind of droning that you're in. That is droning. <laughs> that's but all droning. What I'm saying is that this is a similar kind of thing. And, you know, maybe it's just because, you know, I'm done with that kind of music. 
that you know I don't listen to that kind of music anymore. That it just this doesn't grow on me. But I just no. But how do you say it's not song structure? Like it has no. specific hooks. It has it has no. you know a, a, a main you know rhythm rhythmic part in the guitar, and then it'll t- crescendo no. in certain places. They'll have a solo. It, you know it, it is very structured. It's they're not at all like some freewheeling jam band. I don't yeah. understand what you're talking about. I'm just saying it goes all over the place. And it you need didn't. to listen to it before you say that I because mean, I, that doesn't. Go I did all listen to it, and then I said. No. So, like, I will say that when I listened to it the first time, if I hadn't been listening to it for this, I might not have listened to it again. Like, I might have just been like, "This is it for this," and I didn't listen well, to it again. We're, we're very different people, you and I, Jeff. Yes, I understand. Um, but, but I think because I knew, like, okay, I want to give it a chance. I want to actually have something to say about it. So I listened again, and and that's you know, reading the lyrics, I think, really helped. Um, because I think it does give it much more nuance than you might get just from listening to it on the first pass. Right. And we've talked about that before, that the first time you do listen to something that you're not familiar with, it can kind of have that just like amalgamated kind of... Yep. Exactly. Th- right. Exactly. That's right. what this was initially. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I also, you know, the, the, to give in a little bit, uh, a little bit of quarter on this is that, you know, I have also a, um, I, I'm not really into the stoner metal. So there's this is kind of this is yes I understand this is a, a just a, a type of music like I explained something that you know wants to sound old and mm-hmm. you know it's just not something I'm into the sound of this was like a big wall in front of me you know I would say this is less stoner metal and a little bit more on the doom metal side but mm-hmm. I you guess know, it's neither here nor there I guess. yeah but it's just the sound and the production of it are something that totally turned me off do their other albums sound similar like I didn't listen to they they're yet. all they're all very different thematically. Um, so like their last one is like a post-apocalyptic one. Um, yeah, they have themes. Yeah, they all have themes. One is about a cult leader, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. That's um, uh, mind control, phenomenal. That's you know amazing. Um, Blood Bloodlust was their like first real album, which is incredible. Um, and that's sort of like lyrically based on like he wrote this like sort of you know uh, he was inspired by like seventies B movies horror movies. And that is a phenomenal. Are, are phenomenal. they all like the same kind of like vintage sound? Like oh yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 vocals. Yeah, but they go in different directions. Like you know, you're not going to hear one be like, oh, that sounds just like that song. I don't think so. No. But. Well, I, the other thing, like I do know, they have an older sound, and like they, like I said, like they sound like the Beatles mostly vocally for me. They sound like the Beatles. Yeah. Because of the exactly effects that was. they're using. Um, but to me, it like, and I get if you're really into that music, it might sound like it's too derivative, but they don't give me that, like, fake kind of, like, Greta Van Fleet kind of thing where it's, like, so obviously hyper-produced to yeah, sound no. like that. They're not copying anybody. Yeah. I feel like they do have, um, and I'm not even that into stoner metal per se. Like, I right. just really like their sound. And definitely seeing them live influenced me to like i hadn't listened to a whole album well, they've of got theirs. that great the, you know the video screen on the background they've got all these awesome clips playing it's pretty cool and they do have crazy long like metal hair which i appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see them play they can all play too i mean like the guitars are awesome in this band uh, so i don't know um the drumming whatever it's it's it serves the song so it's there's nothing you know outstanding about it yeah but they're um, definitely guitar driven songs oh, yeah, but, yeah. I, but i think they're great the riffs in these songs are fantastic um you know, uh, but even more so, like if you actually pay attention to the lyrics and, and you get into this, like he he has a lot to say. Yeah. Um. You know, he's the, the song inside. Inside is about drug addiction and like you know, there's this sort of claustrophobia that and paranoia that comes with this like life of atrophy that because you're stuck in this you know one place you know as an addict and you know that goes on through different songs. That's repeated that theme. It comes up again and again in different ways though, and 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 I love how he doesn't use a conventional. 
lyrical structure in that while the music has structure the lyrics he'll he'll have a verse he'll have another verse sometimes there's no chorus to these mm-hmm. songs which is cool or the cor- or there's one chorus that ends with it and there's a re- it's like a refrain but like you know you're not really getting um you're not getting a repeat of the chorus um so i i like that he does that. i like that it's very very different one of the things that initially irritated me at first was that i could not understand what they were singing about and then i w- was reading um I forget what it was in one of the reviews was, or maybe it was just an article about it was talking about how they do that intentionally because they actually want you to go in and read the lyrics almost like you're reading a book that this I've is never like read that. I, I never saw, where did you see that? Do you know? Um, if you give me a couple of minutes, I'll I've, I've tried. It's really hard to find stuff on them because he doesn't do many interviews. Um, he's done a few here and there. And uh-huh. and they're not all that detailed because he doesn't like to. He just doesn't like doing it. But this is a one guy. Is this like a one guy project? It's it's a one guy. He's this guy Kevin Stars is the one the mastermind of the band. Mm-hmm. So he writes all the lyrics. He I think he writes most of the music, and he's had a couple a couple changes in uh, personnel for the most part. I think I, at least three quarters of the band has been there for the most time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. For most of it. So I found it. Okay. So. But just for that sake, yeah. Kevin Stars is like sort of the guy in this. Oh, right. He didn't want to get a real job. He said, oh, let me just see if I can make some music. And then <laughs> this is what came out of it. And like five albums later, it's like still going strong. And they, they're getting bigger and bigger. Like I first saw them in Asbury Park at the freaking Stone Pony. Dude, it wasn't even sold out. That place is like the size of maybe like from the patio to here. <laughs> and that show is incredible. They blew the doors off the place. You were like 10 feet from the freaking band. Um, the stage is only about a foot high in the Stone Pony. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? Uh, no, I haven't actually. It, it, I highly recommend going to see somebody there because mm. they, they've got guitars all over the wall signed by from Springsteen to, you know, yeah. every anybody who's ever played there. It's a cool venue, man. <laughs> so I've, it was from the Consequence of Sound um, article about, the, um, about this album. And he says that... Um, Let's see. This story here, though, is not as entirely evident as it was on Bloodlust or Mind Control with the Night Creeper Star, suggests that listeners do the detective work themselves the way they might have had they been reading a copy of the fictional book themselves. Mm. So I just thought it was interesting, like, that there's this intention behind it. And maybe it's not necessarily like they want you to go read the lyrics per se, but that he has this intention of, like, he wants you to envision this as like a story that you then need to kind of explore and understand what's going on. He's not going to do the work for you. No, Jeff said he doesn't like, like you said, you don't like vocals that you can't understand, right? Oh, no, not necessarily. I don't like the vocals that are buried in the production the way these are. Okay. But here's, I would argue that these vocals are used as an instrument, very real, just as any other no, instrument. No, I, I, I understand what they're doing. It's just not something that I enjoy. Right. Okay. And, and it's creepy. Like, they're supposed to be creepy. No, I, so those I, vocals I, are again, creepy. Again, I, I yeah. get what he's trying. they're trying to do. It's just not a style. But you don't like horror either, so that might have something to do with it. No, that's not true. I like horror. You said you don't like horror movies. Didn't you say that? No, I said I don't like slasher movies. I don't uh, like, a, oh, okay. what do you call it, uh, Torture porn. <laughs> Mandy. That's not torture porn. No, that's something entirely different. It is. That's what that's makes it so great. Art house. <laughs> art house. I don't know if I go that far. I don't know what the well, I don't know. That's why they play them. <laughs> <laughs> they got to play it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, the surprise is I called Stephanie. You're staying over and we're watching Mandy on the big screen outside. <laughs> oh, God. The dragonflies are like the size of helicopters out here, by the way. <laughs> 
They don't have dragonflies. So, so if you guys look city. up, if you guys look up, you're going to see the bats start to swirl. Oh yeah, they'll be so, around soon. We did have them when I was a kid. Oh, oh yeah. every night they come out around this time. You'll see them. I like that we're adding a little bit of country flavor to this stuff. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Why not? All right. See, now we're starting to say a little bit more. We're, we're warming up. <laughs> no, we're meandering. <laughs> That's okay. Meandering mostly, can be good. It's mostly because Jeff has a strong opinion about things. And when Jeff has strong opinions about things, we like to push back on him. When we're all in agreement, it's not as much fun. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, we all like the book. That didn't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what you said about our friend Chris and his opinions? <laughs> his opinions are based on nothing but his opinions. Supported by nothing but his opinions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, I have notes and notes on this thing, but I, I think we should probably move on to the, uh, yes. the movie. Yeah, shall we, uh, shall we <laughs> probably it? discard those notes. Shall we read it? <laughs> if we can read them. Yeah. One. <laughs> What? Uh, generous for Jeff. I mean, that is generous <laughs> for Jeff for not liking something. Yeah. Jeff sometimes. I'll, I'll give it one. You guys liked it so much, I feel generous. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the listener is really going to value that your one listen opinion. <laughs> yep. You know, like, oh, he gave it one once, he gave it one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a three. I was debating whether I wanted to do two and a half or three, and I'm going to give it a three because after talking about it a little bit more, I'm appreciating it a little bit more i don't know that this is this is not necessarily a band that i would have sought out on my own and no. it's not necessarily a style of music that i would have sought out on my own but would you I, put this in music league <laughs> would i put it in are you asking no. for hints there tom no <laughs> i didn't get any votes for it during stoner metal um remember <laughs> that's at work <laughs> but, but i i like that there's an intentionality in this album where i think that they do everything with a purpose um, and if you are willing to dig into it a little bit I think that it can be kind of a rewarding experience to, to kind of go through that you, lo- you missed out Jeff no <laughs> <laughs> I'll never listen to this again and I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything I'll give it a three and a half um, I don't think it's a four First of all, because they have better albums. Um, this is great. I love it. But um, I would go three and a half. There's there's definitely albums that have a little bit more um, sort of dynamic movement within the album itself. Um, and and I, as much as I, I do really like it, um, I, I won't go crazy and give it a four. Four is like, you know, that's something that's four classic. What? The book is four. Yeah. Four is the book. I'm also going to give it a three and a half. Um, I do really like it, and it's the album that I know the best of theirs, but I think it has a lot stronger start, and it kind of, like, fades into a finish. Um, That's... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Do you know in Austin one of the things to do in the summer is to go see bats fly out from the Congress Street Bridge, but it's like a fire hose of bats for like 15 minutes straight. Like, you wouldn't imagine how many bats are just flying out of this bridge. Sorry, that's what I'm thinking about right now. Um, all of a sudden, I'm not worried about getting a virus. I'm worried about getting rabies. No, they'll eat all the bugs. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of it. They eat the mosquitoes. Yeah. That's why it's usually not too bad over here. Yeah. Oh, I'm just worried about the Jeff, do you not have bats in uh, Brewster? Um, no, we'll see them the same around the same time. If you're out back, you'll see them come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so three and a half for me. <laughs> <also>. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> we are at the uh, the very manageable forty minute mark. Um, we're gonna take a little break and we'll come back for uh, the wicker man. <laughs> Much has been said of the strumpets of yore, of wenches and body house queens by the score, but I sing of a baggage that we all adore. The, the landlord's daughter. daughter. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> Jeff, I didn't hear you singing. I don't have the headphones on, so. <laughs> oh, oh, he couldn't hear us. No. By the way, Jeff doesn't wear headphones. No. All, All right. right. Nicole. So, <laughs> I chose to have everybody watch a favorite cult film of mine, The Wicker Man. Uh, the original from 1973, not that abomination that Nick Cage was in in the early 2000s. Nick Cage is in an abomination. Hey. You are wrong. <laughs> wrong. Mandy. I do love Nick Cage, but I can't I should, bring myself you know to what? watch Maybe his version change, of The Wicker Man. I will change my pick for next, like, next month to be in a Cage The Nick Cage Wicker Man? No, maybe I can find an, a <laughs> Nick Cage movie and book and album. All Nick Cage. We did Nick <laughs> Cage. Now we're doing Nick Cage. See? We already did Nick Cage. We did Mandy. We that that wasn't more. enough. I, I think he's kidding. <laughs> maybe. So, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a classic. It was directed by Robin Hardy, and basically the premise is that Sergeant Neil Howie, who's a British officer, um, a Catholic British officer, which is important to the storyline, has been sent to this like island off the coast of Scotland called Summer Isle, and it's pretty isolated. And these, and he has to get there by seaplane, and he's looking for a missing girl that he's been contacted about named Rowan Morrison. And the film follows his exploration of the pagan world of Summer Isle and his, you know, his search for Rowan. Um, it's just a classic, and I have seen this film many times, and I thought it would be fun to talk about because I think that everybody should see it. And uh, it's I, it's just awesome. I like that it has, like, a 70s folk soundtrack to go along with the pagan theme. Um, and I'll just turn it over to you guys because I've seen it a million times so I could talk about it forever but I'm interested to see what everybody thought about it for their first view <laughs> so so you you turned me on to this movie about a month before we, you actually announced this so I had seen it coming in and then I watched it again about a month later and now I watched it this morning <laughs> because I just wanted it to be fresh and every this is a movie that just gets better and better you can rewatch it oh it's yeah. it just gets better I, I remember thinking like the first time i watched it there was certain points towards the middle that I was kind of like eh bored a little bo-. like you know like they weren't great but like i still love the movie overall but like now it's like holy shit like everything in this movie is so good well and when you know the ending then it's worth watching again because, yeah. yeah 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 Aaron yeah. doesn't seem like she's going to be rewatching. I, I want to see where you guys are going. I think that Aaron has something that she wants to say right away. I wanted to really like this movie. Oh, no. No. Wait, hold on. Before we... Can, can we just hear what Jeff... I want to know if Jeff liked this movie. <laughs> this movie was amazing. Oh, you like it? Holy <laughs> shit. I had a feeling first Jeff would I, like it. First, I now understand the Burn the Witch video from Radio. Oh, Ed, yeah, yeah. Which is ni- nice because I didn't know where that was going. But I have so much to say, but I want to hear Aaron's uh, uh, takedown of this. But By the way, did you only watch it once because it grows on you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I watched it, it last does. night because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. Okay. I really wanted to like this movie, and I made the mistake of reading about it before I watched no. it. So I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. So I knew what was going to happen. 
and I can see why people like this movie. I get it. <laughs> I, I totally understand what people see as appealing in this movie. And I even saw that like some professor from like the University of Glasgow like had some like three day like seminar Ooh. on the Wicker Man. Let's and do I was it. like, it's place and culture take it. is that's not just like the place and culture, but like looking at like the pagan roots of like mm-hmm. and talking about all Oh, it's well researched, yeah. So I really wanted to like it. And I think the problem I had with it was that it felt dated in a way to me and things felt hokey to me that I had a hard time. <laughs> What's the wonderful uh, part I about it? I got it. I mean, it's supposed to be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's well, 1973. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it, the 70s. It, it, it takes place in the 70s. I know. <laughs> on a remote island off the coast of Scotland. I'm not looking. Who you know you're looking for there? <laughs> Are you done so we can? I can start celebrating the awesomeness of this movie. No. Okay. Continue. I can't believe Jeff likes something I, that he's that he's saying he wants to celebrate. The word celebrate just came out of his mouth. I don't think it was an awful movie. I didn't love this movie, and from the way that I was reading about it, I thought like, okay, here's this amazing like cult movie. I'm gonna like think it's fantastic, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, it's, it's fine. But it didn't like. I don't think I'll watch it again. So dare we recommend Midsummer? To oh, that was gonna to be my recommendation. Okay, I, I, all right. so yeah, that was I was gonna. I've come seen around that on Netflix. That that's, it's I've pretty not much yet watched it. Original yet, version that of that movie is not it's, hokey. It's yeah. yeah, and I do recommend it, but yes. I'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so well, I agree. The great thing about this movie is because it is dated. Mm-hmm. It it is it lives in the same essential time period and ser- shares a lot of DNA with. Willy Wonka. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. the this camp. Was, yeah, but one, so one of my thoughts about it was that there's a campiness to it that is very similar to Willy Wonka. But also, one of my crazy favorite things about it is that there's musical numbers oh, out of out of it, okay, come in the ass of nowhere, just like Willy <laughs> yeah. Wonka. Like you know, because the Willy Wonka one doesn't it doesn't initially start as a musical, and it has musical numbers in weird places. Yeah. Right, right. And and that's the same thing that happens with this movie. So I mean, the first one and the best one is the landlord's uh, daughter. Well, the, well, well daughter. I mean, the landlord's daughter is amazing. <laughs> that is the highlight of the movie for me in some ways. Like that, and how it transitions into the following so, the next scenes, like. Of course, which is the where she's scraping the walls and like you know she's climbing the walls and she's you know Willow is Tom. What? We have a child that's appeared. (laughs) Is it important? I'm hungry. Okay, you have to wait a little bit. (laughs) All right, so there's this great scene where like uh, the 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 police officer, what's his name again? Howie. Yeah, Uh, he heads he he heads into town (laughs) and um, so he he's he's put up at this you know at this tavern and a room above the tavern and the you know he's already ticked off because he doesn't understand what's going on with the locals. Well, and he's a huge prude. Yes, (laughs) and so but anyway, he goes up to try to go to bed and um, the former um, uh, uh, Mrs. Um, What the heck? Who was that rock star that she dated? Um, uh, Rod Stewart. Former Mrs. Rod Stewart. She was the former Mrs. I Rod didn't know that. Fred Eklund. I, uh, that's who that was. Yes, I knew. I knew her, and yeah. I couldn't think of why. Performs this this uh, this this risque dance number. Risque is one way of yeah. Saying <laughs> well, not risque. Fully nude yeah. dance number. And that is an ass slap and good time. <laughs> so we, it gets, but, but you got there's a build up to this. It's so good because it starts with the landlord's daughter, where they're all slapping, you know, yeah, slapping our ass basically, <laughs> and and um and her, even her father, who is the 
creep. He's so creepy. It's, it's important to know that Sergeant Howie is a very devout Catholic. Yeah, he, yes. Very prudish, very British. He's a virgin. Yes, he's a virgin. Yeah. He's a virgin. He's engaged to be married and he's right. a virgin. So when he comes to Summer Isle, they're all pagan and very sexual and so very. Before he goes upstairs, <laughs> he goes, he leaves after the landlord's order and he goes out and he sees an orgy oh, taking oh, place yeah, in yeah, the yeah. churchyard. Yeah, that happens like, first. And there's as he walks outside right. of the bar. Yeah. And, and the tavern and there's just people uh, you know right. fucking all over the yeah, yard yeah like 20 couples yeah. <laughs> and then they call, he comes back in he storms he actually well wait then he, but he, when he eats is great because he asks for apples he's like totally appalled that there are no apples <laughs> so upset and that like you know the beans come from a can and Willow goes there's more to there's more to life than just food you know <laughs> and she's like let's see you upstairs <laughs> <laughs> well her yeah her ass slapping dance is like to try to like provoke mm-hmm. him yeah. <laughs> but which seems you know funny because ultimately they they don't want they, uh, that would have right. ruined it for everybody yes yeah he has to be a virgin well maybe he had to be tested i guess to oh, i guess well no he needed to be made an ass of that was the whole <laughs> oh that's he true he needed to be made into a fool right um but yeah if he would have walked out and went over there and uh that would have been it maybe she just knew she just knew i'm sure she knew she knew she, he, she wasn't going to turn him i just looking at him right there yeah <laughs> It's, it's a that whole sequence from the time he ends up at the green what is it, the Green Man Inn? Yes, the Green Man Inn yeah. with the great, great little sign. sign. Great yeah. sign. So then, then, the, the, then after that, the next, uh, the next musical number busts out at the Maypole. Yes, <laughs> that's my favorite song. I think. Man is a tree, <laughs> and a tree is a man with a woman and a man. Yeah, it captures like their whole ethos, basically. Like yeah. they're very transcendental people. Yes. <laughs> and, then his, and then his awesome uh, uh, outrage at the uh, the the lesson. Oh, the teacher. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Great. The phallic. The liars. <laughs> oh yeah, he's pissed. Yeah, he's oh, disgusted he he that they're learning about, about phallic. What is the significance of the maypole? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to hear about phallic? dicks at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's filth. You're teaching them filth, and you're all filthy liars. <laughs> <laughs> so good. His outrage, his indignation, yeah. is like you know unmatched in this movie. Uh, yeah, he really is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, do you, do you guys have something else? Because I want to move to the, uh, my next favorite thing. <laughs> Just decided. Yeah, don't go for it. Christopher Lee. Oh, yeah, he's great. But he's but he's not Christopher Lee that you remember from like Hammer horror films. No, he's Christopher Lee that 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 acts and looks like Steve Coogan in the other guys. Like uh, he's like a weird seventies dandy. (laughs) Oh my god, Lord Summer Isle. Yeah, Lord Summer Isle. It's yellow turtleneck. He's got a hell of a castle, man. He does. Yeah. Well, we learn that his grandfather brought everyone. It was like 1858. He he because he he wanted the he wanted to grow great fruit. Yes, and so he establishes like volcanic soil (laughs) and the and the and the breeze, the Gulf breeze. Oh yeah, yeah. And what does the the cops say about their their attempt to grow the fruit? (laughs) Oh, like oh, it's misguided. You can't grow fruit in this part of the the world. Well, and he attacks their religion for being nonsense, and Lord Summerisle is like, no, you're Catholic yeah. Even before you get to Lord Summerisle, you get to witness another dance number with the maidens jumping over the fire. Oh, yeah, oh, and as he's being yeah. carried there. Right, and then we, have an, uh, then we have another song where when he comes back in, mm-hmm. and you have uh, Lord Summerisle singing with the school teacher, ah, and he's yeah. singing a song about a woman who's been a little too promiscuous, and That's it's... Right. There's some interesting lyricism <laughs> to that one. If you, there's yeah. great symbol, like you know, metaphors and stuff in that song. I don't. I, I almost. I can't say it. I feel like it's the most '70s movie I've ever seen. Honestly, it's, it is so '70s. <laughs> I can't believe it. How so did you awesome. not find this fun? Like no, it's such I a fun movie. I didn't say that. I didn't say it wasn't fun. I I didn't 
like it to the extent but that... But you're, like, you're almost like... <sighs> You like tensed up as you speak no. about it. Are you on Howie's side? Is that the problem? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was such a prude. <laughs> yep. No ass lapping for you. <laughs> That's why I put the maypole right next to it. <laughs> you know it's a phallus. <laughs> it's a phallus. You've got one next to you too, Jeff. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> think it wasn't fun like it was definitely <laughs> campy feeling to me and it was fun i just i think because i read about it before i watched it i think that ruined it for me yeah you just I, need I, to I try be to exposed to those i read movies. about it but it didn't it, but reading the story and knowing what happened and it didn't prepare me no, it, for the, the i don't mean that like i mean like reading like the hype about it the, and no. reading how it's like this cult class but again you, it's like one of the top horror movies yeah in, i like, read Britain. all that before but it did not prepare me for the the camp enjoyment <laughs> that i you know that i was uh, uh, uh treated to yeah i so mean i fun. would love i mean down to the like the, the way the cameras use like they all those like me, um auto zooms and stuff like no but like you know like the way that the camera will zoom in instead of using the dolly it'll, it'll just use like you know the, the camera zoom where it, you know within the camera and and just like you know really fast and that's such a like, 70s thing it stopped in the 70s yeah it's oh. like jaws does that right Wait, when what it, was like, the other great oh and he he's outraged in the church that's that's broken so he creates a Crease cross. Oh, yeah. oh the cemetery yeah. <laughs> there's so many moments well one of the things that i did think was kind of cool about this movie is that they used like you didn't really learn about anything other than what you saw from Howie's perspective. Like, everything that got revealed to you was only because he was seeing it. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no action. Like, there were a couple of, like, scenes that were brief when he wasn't involved, but then he'd become involved. So it's not like there was any new information, at least that I could pick up, um, that was happening until Howie came in. And then that's when, like, these bits of things would come out. So I thought that was kind of, like, an interesting way of approaching the story because we're then kind of in the position of Howie to be, like... I don't know what's going on, and I'm just learning it as he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, like, uh, the reason why, you know, the, the reasons I've explained why I like this movie is because of the ridiculousness of it, and it's fun. But, you know, then you get to the very end of it, you know, where you where the, it's revealed that, you know, this whole thing is a setup um, for Howie. And, uh, you know, part of the setup was he had to be made an ass of he mm -hmm. had to be a f be the fool yeah the king um, for a day too. yeah so like punch, all of these all the these <laughs> punchy <laughs> yeah all these performances are mostly you know for for him <laughs> and um you know then the end of it i think it goes on a little bit too long after that um i really like the last scene though i think that that like first it's so campy and it's so like funny and over the top but that last scene is horrifying and yeah. no matter how many times i see it well, yeah, no one wants to be burned alive. Right, I mean, but, but, like, it's just such beautiful, like, cinematography to have that wicker man and to, uh, like, see the way that it caves over and the... Um, Cassie gets burned alive. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, this is why, like, I think I enjoy this movie for all the stuff that comes before that, whereas the movie that this that was um, that uh, took its inspiration from this, that uh, Midsommar... Right movie i don't think i would enjoy that at all because i think that that movie as opposed to from what i've read of it does land in the torture porn neighborhood um, that movie's awesome yeah i wouldn't I call it torture porn no. it's like if you like horror you would like it and if you don't it's not like 
you know, it's not like watching Saw or something. No, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> Midsummer's great. Yeah, okay. I'll give it a it's, shot. It's actually it's, it's beautifully shot. It too. Like, okay, I'll give really it a shot. Well but I mean, like from what I read of it, and because I read about it when reading this, yeah, it's definitely inspired. This, is yeah. that you should watch it just because you like this movie. Yeah, like, I will. But I think it's it's lacking in all the things that I like in this movie. Mm. Sort of like you should listen to Uncle Acid because <laughs> you like Black. That's Sandler. lacking in all the things. that <laughs> I know, It's not. Well, Midsummer. Did, they, did they Uncle Acid have an ass slapping song? <laughs> Then I'm on board. No. Okay, well then, forget it. I mean, you could do whatever you want with your ass when you listen they don't, to it. That's not the point. Do they also have Just a Maypole song? Do they sing the Maypole song? I mean, they have that cult album. Mm-hmm. There might be a Maypole song in there. But, um... Yeah, I, I just, I, I love this movie just because of the camp. It is a cult mm-hmm. film for a reason. Um, yeah. And I remember the first time I ever saw it, I think I was like, probably like 18 or 19 and my friend Kelly every weird movie I've ever seen in my life has just been like on in the background at her house and definitely uh, we were watching Wicker Man just on the background and that ass slapping scene came on <laughs> I was like what is this and uh and then I've loved it ever since <laughs> that grabbed you it did <laughs> never seen it grabbed you by like the that. ass and never let go <laughs> it did so yeah. I mean the song. So this is like a musical. It's amazing. It is. It really, yeah. It's. It's. I, I didn't even think about it the first time. But like, like I said, it, it really does share. Uh, you know, a, a visual. It does. And you know, in the way it's filmed. It does. With uh, with Wonka and right. also the fact that like the songs, don't. It's not like a traditional musical, but the the musical numbers are musical. Like they're. It, it is. Know, people yeah. get up and sing like they're just. Like and they both have like. And both films have like creepy elements to it. Yep. But also have moments where there's great levity and like oh, so yeah. it's mm-hmm. so yeah it's a good point I, will, I think I think they do share a lot I will say the creepy factor of this was really high and I thought it was actually really good like from the moment that Howie like calls to the people like from his like plane to like the harbor masters and like send out the dinghy and you see their faces you're like what is the matter with these people like they are like super creepy the the uh, innkeeper the guy at the cemetery like when he was talking about like the tree with the navel skin on it yeah yeah like that guy was creepy so the guy the guy who the guy who uh landscaper yeah, yeah the yeah. groundskeeper at the, at the, the gra- cemetery yeah, so, so the groundskeeper is if you've seen clockwork orange that's mm-hmm. pure deltoid he's okay. the post-corrective advisor to alex in, in oh, clockwork orange oh, so when i saw yeah, him i said oh my that. god this pure deltoid. i got so, so excited by that creepy and like it was and i th- so i thought that el- because it's not a scary movie no it's not but it so i saw it described as like folk horror and it like I don't even like I'd never heard that before, but that's I can totally see what that me what that means like yeah. watching this, and these like characters like in this like village on this island are so creepy in this bizarre way, but they don't do anything initially, other than just look weird and sound weird mm-hmm. and sing weird. Yeah, and, like it's just. <laughs> but you know well, the way they talk to Howie is like they look at him very straight faced. They they are not they don't um sort of cower to him in any way. They're very confident, but also like very rebellious in the way they talk to him. Mm-hmm. So it, it you know the fact that they feel like they're that you could sense they're above the law. Yeah, and they this, mock him. Film, they and mock him. Yeah. And Yep. It's really interesting, and I, like the, the harbor master is a good character. I don't mm. know; he's just uh, he's in. I can't think of what he's in. I've seen him in things, and he's a great character. The costumes are fantastic too. Yeah. Like at the end when they're all in their like folk costumes and different animals. Willow's costumes are the best, though. Huh? <laughs> Willow's <laughs> when they're off. Or- yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's just a creepy film. It's never. But in the last moment, is horrifying. But it's not something that you have to cover your eyes while you're watching. Mostly because of the camp, but. It's just, uh, it's just a great fun movie. 
Very enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to uh, give it a rating? Yeah. I'm going four. Wow. I'm not going for. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. you, again, I, you I, need to watch it again. I enjoyed it immensely. I'm going to give it a 2.5. <laughs> Caving into the pressure. <laughs> no, again, I didn't. I never thought it was a bad movie. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I was expecting that I would, mm. based on what I read about it. I don't. I think it. I can see why people like it. It was not for me. It, there were elements of it that I didn't appreciate, which I mm. think other people do. <laughs> but I also think that there were parts of it that were really well done. And I do think that it was a really well-researched movie in the sense of, like, the pagan, you know, history of, of Scotland. And I, so I don't think it was a bad movie. Did Aaron watch it with you? No, he fell he asleep. The <laughs> and then he went upstairs and came downstairs and asked how it was. Do you like think he would like it? No. No, I don't either. No, he doesn't it's like scary. anything. <laughs> so sad. I, I would love to watch this movie with Aaron. No, he would hate <laughs> it. That's a good one for the big screen outside. Speaking you should have an fireworks. annual May Day celebration. The Maypole. <laughs> May <Paul. laughs> yeah. um, I get it a four. It is, a, like, as we've talked about, I really like horror and I like cult films specifically. And I think it's a classic. And, um, yeah, I've said everything that I have to say about it. I love it. I was happy to share it with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a lot of fun. I'm giving it a three and a half. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that it's it's something that I always heard about but never got around to watching. And so it was it was neat to see. And like I said, the camp part of it totally surprised me because you, you, you describe it as a horror movie and it totally is not that for most of <laughs> right them. oh right yeah so i was i was pleasantly surprised with the the campiness of it that was fun so great yeah have you seen the uh, nicholas cage i haven't i saw? and actually i did read that everybody from this film oh, dissociated themselves yes. from it so i mean i love nick cage but like that i've seen the you know widely which character mocked he, film do we know which one he he's howie i think because i've seen there's like a there was like a viral youtube video years ago that spliced like all the most ridiculous scenes from his version in it like you may have seen it where he's wearing like a cage, cage around his head bees. and he's like not the bees <laughs> and bees are just stinging him so like based on what i've and he like punches someone in a bear suit in the face so <laughs> Oh, so I, after I may have to watch that tonight i might have to see it eventually but i have you know i just know that it, it's definitely doesn't do this one justice so. um but yeah i love the wicker man all right do you want to take a break before we do the next thing no let's just uh do it and okay there's no next thing it's just recommendations joe yeah all right um i'll give my recommendation as i was saying earlier i was planning on recommending midsummer by ari aster it's definitely been inspired by wicker man if you've seen it um and this is also the third film i've recommended that's been produced by 824 so just see all of their movies that they put out because they're a pretty good production house they did uncut gems they did the lighthouse they they've done hereditary i tried watching the lighthouse three times oh i can see why it's i fell asleep <laughs> within the first 10 minutes all three times i, I don't recommend it as and much. i could and i had to put on subtitles yes couldn't understand yeah you can't thing. understand willem dafoe yeah that movie I would I wouldn't watch it again, but I did like. <laughs> but um, Midsummer is it's a beautiful horror it film. Really You've is. seen it. It's yeah. just like the 
there's a couple of gruesome scenes, um, but it's not overly gory. Right. And what's the other Ariasta one with the uh, hereditary? Tony which yeah, is Tony right. if you really like horror, I would recommend that. But I didn't sleep for like two weeks after I saw it, and That's I've really good seen too. a lot of stuff, and that just I like messed Midsommar, me up. Midsummer a little better, but I, I like I, Midsummer better. I like them, um, but Hereditary scarier. But um, yeah, it's another pagan horror film, so check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, something that, you know, it's probably a little late for this, but um, we haven't talked in a while. But it was uh, something that made uh, um, the quarantine time a little uh, easier is uh, The Great on uh, Hulu. Um, are you guys familiar with this? Mm-mm. Okay. So it's a series about um, uh, Catherine the Great, um, and it's billed as a sometimes true story. And um, it's a it's a really good show. I, I highly recommend it. It's ridiculous. It's funny. It's gruesome. It's horrific. Um, and uh, it's it's written by the same person who wrote The Favorite. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with that movie. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I mean, this is it's it's been reviewed in a whole bunch of different places. Um, but it's it's fun and uh, and like I said, it, it it got me through this time. It was something new to watch that I thoroughly enjoyed and look forward to. So I recommend that. Sounds cool. I am going to recommend Afterlife, which is a Netflix series starring Ricky Gervais. And I I think he also wrote it as well. Um, And it is about this man whose wife has died from cancer. And he's basically, you know, you know, I think it's fair to say he's suicidal, but kind of hanging on. And it's a really dark comedy. Um, And... I th- you know every episode that I've watched so far like I will cry and laugh in the same episode which I think is kind of a really neat way to watch a show like it's just um, I think it's really well done um, and I think Ricky Gervais is hysterical anyway when but he's on he's my, on my brother oh, yeah. my brother recommended that to me so I might yeah. be watching I'm, that a, I'm a Ricky Gervais fan I love I mean the office was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> His office. Not I, I didn't watch the American one, but What? I know. It's but also good. Did <laughs> you watch did you watch Ricky Gervais? The the British office? I watched some of it. I didn't watch all of it. <sighs> There's no way that American one's better. They it's, just it's d- it, what it is Just is it, when it, it when it finally diverts from the British one, it's completely different and yes, better. <sighs> I watched an episode. That's all I need. You, oh, no. you need to let it grow. No, no, I don't need to. <laughs> really? No, nah, I gave it one, one, one episode, one, 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 one wine. Oh my God! You, but you know, the the it no. doesn't matter because. Do you recommend it, Jeff? Who? You recommend it? What the American Office? Yeah, yeah. Right. Just, just about every other sane person in the world does too. I know that's that. That's what makes me. Oh, really that's suspicious. what. That's not because uh. <laughs> Tom's too cool for that. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So I would recommend uh, the documentary Heaven Adores You, which is a documentary about Elliot Smith, and it's on Amazon Prime at the moment. Um, it takes you through his days in Heat Miser and, uh, you know, through winning the Grammy, for, uh, not the Grammy, the uh, Oscar for um, for Goodwill Hunting, and, um, and then, you know, to his uh, really uh, unfortunate death. Um, it's a really, really good documentary. If, if you're unfamiliar with his music, check it out. Uh, Jeff, you're a fan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I've met him. You've met Elliot Smith? Yeah. But B- in what capacity? How? Tell you later. Okay. <laughs> so it's one of us. Um, did you see the documentary? I no? have not yet. Okay, check it out. It's good. All right, and that's uh, yeah. Um, Jeff's picks for next month. Ah, picks for next month. Mm-hmm. So uh, picks for next month. Um, I will explain them more next month. But um, what I basically tried to do uh, after you know a bunch of. 
um, saying that you know Jeff doesn't try anything new. This is all stuff that I do not I do not know. Oh. So um, the book is um, is called Famous Writer School, a novel by Stephen Carter, Stephen and Carter. the movie um, is Moon. Uh, starring uh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, I've wanted to see that. See, and um, <laughs> the album uh, is something that I know that Tom has already listened to, but um, I have not yet gotten around to, um, and I don't know that I would if I hadn't picked it for this. Um, the new Fiona Apple Fetch the Bullet Cutters. Oh, I listened to it quickly, but I ha- yeah, I listened to it once. So I have to let it grow up. Um, <laughs> what is there a uh, something that ties it all together? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, He's next. They're all new to him. These things, they're all new. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there is no theme. No other theme. Than okay. Stuff that Jeff doesn't know. It's just stuff. That's, that's <laughs> the theme. Jeff stuff doesn't Jeff doesn't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, with with everything wrapped up, uh, let's uh, just to remind you guys that uh, anybody who wants to submit an episode for us to um, possibly record, we're going to do it. Um, so let's see in the next few months but um, submit a book an album and a film that you think would make a great episode you can send it to thomasfalconetti at gmail.com um, you can send it to the one book one album uh, one film Facebook page you can DM us on you Instagram DM us on Instagram <laughs> Nicole will uh, field that one <laughs> um, and uh, we hope to hear from you and we've got some in and uh, we're going to be you know, we, we, we're still taking for another month or two. And uh, thank you for uh, listening. Are we forgetting anything, guys? Nope. I think oh, that's it. Covered it. All right, great. And uh, what are you going out with? I think I think what we do is we go out with uh, the the song that comes back from the back and forth. It's the thing that ties the Wicker Man together, which is uh, Corn Rigs. <laughs> um, this is a song that we comes back here and there within the film. So enjoy. Was upon a llama's night when corn rigs are bonnie. Beneath the moon's unclouded light, I held a while to Annie. The time went by with careless heed till tween the late and early. With small persuasion, she agreed to see me through the barley. And barley rigs and corn rigs are bonny. I'll not forget that happy night among the rigs with us.